0: For a creative entity to live, you need to have the business. Right. So I'm going to give you this uh, Simon Sinek's example. So he uh, brought up this interesting thing, like where he says, like you know, um, the uh, money is the is the gas. Yeah. You need money, but Run that's money, not your yeah. destination, right? Like yeah. uh, you can't go to your destination without gas. Like right. you need you need gas for sure, but uh, that's the that's the focus, like where it has to sustain as a business, right? For sure, uh, because no free labor, uh, you know, it, it has to sustain as a
1: business. My guests today are Justine Depending and Deepak Jawahar of the Architecture Story. The architecture story is an interesting practice that blends art, design and architecture into one harmonious whole. As they strive to not label themselves as one or the other, I'll stay away from doing so as well. What I can say is that I've had the most interesting conversations with them over the past few years and they're a perfect fit for this series. Today, we talk about their unusual journeys up to where they met, their approach to their design work, and the importance of technology in the creative process. Just a word about the setting of today's interview, Justine and Deepak went to great effort to set up their installation for the Magnetic Fields Festival just for this interview and it acts as a unique backdrop to a unique interaction. Big thanks for that guys. Now on with the conversation. Welcome to Everything Comes Together. My name is Sri Nag, and I'm an architectural photographer based in Chennai, India. On this series, I speak with people in the architecture, photography and design communities documenting their personal journeys, the challenges they overcame and the most important incidents in their lives that made them who they are today. We came upon the concept now right of how you actually start your work by speaking to the people you're going to be doing anything for your clients. So I'm skipping ahead in the notes because this was something that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, When you speak to your clients, right? um, where where, where do they come from, What, what do they expect from you? Because one thing I've noticed is it's, it's, it's hard to pin you guys down with what you actually, what, everyone likes a label, right? So how do you describe yourselves? Do you call yourselves designers, artists, architects, um, conceptualizers, creators, what, where does that, where does that come from? Because your approach seems to be nice and broad and abstract to get the whole view of a situation
0: yeah so uh, to put it very short description, mm. I would say like more on the installation art, right. so that's where uh, the heart is, and but it's also not to say that that's the only sliver of the zone that we work in. Mm. Uh, instead of thinking of the project as like type or scale, we think of it as duration right. Um, Short duration is something what we have, we are sitting on right now. Uh, Medium duration is like something that we did for CPB. It's like a few months, six months, something like that. Long duration, which is like architectural works, where, you know, it's a house for somebody. It's, uh, it's, uh, It's a living space for someone. It's a working space for someone. So that's the way we formulate projects in our head. Mm. Instead of saying like, oh, I'm doing a project, a house, or a office, we think of it as duration, and that's uh, well, that comes with the collaboration between Justine and I mm. um, because that's how they formulate in theater. Right.
1: And like.
0: Um, mm. yeah.
1: So that also comes from the fact that both of you have very different backgrounds. Yeah. Right? Yes. So so what's your background like, Justine?
2: I come from a background in theater. So okay. I studied theater performance. I went to an art school, to CalArts, mm-hmm. and studied in a conservatory. So rather than it being uh, partly physical and, you know, you have a sort of liberal arts education, it was a conservatory education where all day, every day, you're living and breathing your métier. Yeah. And then, um, in a sense, your uh, academics are kind of secondary (laughs) to your practice-based education. And I did that for four years, and then I went on and did a master's in aesthetics and politics, because I was very interested in art history Mm -hmm. and uh, how that can, you know, having a deep understanding of art history can actually complement in our practice and um, that led me to, to actually work on contemporary Indian art and uh, I ended up doing my thesis on collective art practices in India from 1947 to 2007 yes. and specifically looking at how uh, artists come together to form a collective which then transcends the idea of like the you know, singular artist yeah. so this the output is a collective output rather than one person's you know sort of and yeah. I think that I say that because that that relates a lot to what we do yeah. and what my you know our practices as well is we really emphasize that it's, it's a collective output rather than one individual um, so I think it's something that's kind of always been innately within me and we carry it forward in so Deepak also. When lives, you
0: yeah. work as a collective the interesting thing is that uh, we are all products of some method, method of working as much as uh, I, that's what I believe like as much as we say it's talent and uh, you know but there's certain method to the everyone's madness is yeah. certain like so the interesting part of working from different backgrounds as a collective is uh, there are some methods that I take for granted like this is how it is this is what it is Mm -hmm. and that is uh, vehemently challenged (laughs) (laughs) and there are some things that Justine would take it for granted saying like yeah but this is how it is this is what we do and like even draping windows right as an architect, we would focus on opening up the windows and uh, working in theater they focus on (laughs) closing (laughs) the windows in a different way and uh, it's kind of like finding the fine line with the work and it's a series of conversations, even the piece that we are sitting on now mm. it's also in a series of conversations. The inspiration didn't start from any uh, uh, you know, it's, it's about observation, like it started from charpai, uh, the Indian Tinai you know, bed, yeah. so it started from there and then we wanted to have this object that's sort of personal but public at the same time uh, where it's private, but it's also like where you have friends. So a bed is like uh, you know the typology is it's private, like it's a, yeah. it's a personal space. But if you have seen like any time the the charpai is used, it's always like you know there's more people gathering on it and more people sitting on it. Yeah. So it starts from there and then the and then different ways of addition, and you know how can we reimagine it and it's not like in one-to-one abstraction of things but rather like take that so that's where uh, the observation skills are also very different from different domains different backgrounds like the way you look at the world is so different Uh, even for me that was a you know a, a great thing to you know, understand like this is how you look at things. So the, the way Jacine looks at things is so different, uh, and the way she, uh, certain things that she obsesses over is like, um, <laughs> is like, you know, not very relevant to, uh, in the, at the first instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same the other way around. But it's relevant down the line. It's relevant down the line. But I think that's
1: what also makes your work look different is you can see that, well, you have an architecture background, right, in terms of training. Um, And you have a more artistic background in terms of training, even though you went and studied uh, at an architecture school, right, in England. So there is that that blend is there even in this um, even in this installation you can see it's very structural uh, you can also see that it's taking something that we have had for a long time and then put your own spin on it which is unique because both of you have that unique combination of views right so when you have this kind of a partnership you have this kind of uh, an approach which is different to what most people would 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 do. How, how what's it like working with clients?
2: So I think uh, just to go back for, for a minute to what you were saying, like what is it art, architecture, design, you know, yeah. performance? Yeah, I actually think it's all of that, and and yeah. we kind of resist the idea of fitting into a given right. type or box or practice you know, um, and, and yes, it's a spectrum between art and design mm. and obviously architecture holds closer to design, but I, I think that that practice element is common all across that spectrum. But one thing that I hold uh, dearly and, and I think we, we always try to do in our studio as well is uh, a professor of mine at, when I was studying at, in the UK um, at the AA but mind you it was a very um, different kind of program and spatial performance and mm. design so really combining what we both you know do but they said they said to me and it always stuck with me always work outside of your comfort zone mm. and and I think that's something that we like to do you know that's when you're when you're outside of your comfort zone and you're actually like Sort of a little, little uneasy, little <laughs> weary. That's when I, I believe that you, you actually create, you know, more exciting work. Yeah. Rather than just turning sort of out what you know.
1: I think that's why we can relate because this podcast was outside my comfort zone until I started doing <laughs> it. So that sort of brings Good it word. back yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, when we. When we talked at the pre-interview, you were talking about you have two approaches to design. Uh, One is a physical approach and one is the philosophical approach. What did you mean by that? Deepak, I think you mentioned those words at that time, so I'll throw it to you.
0: Yeah, philosophical approach, I don't mean it in a very abstract way, but rather like what is the goal that we want to achieve together Mm. as as a client or an organization or uh, you know, as a foundation, whoever we work with, what is the what is the goal that we want to achieve? Right. Other than the primary given goal, let's say, like for CBB, uh, the primary given goal is like, yes, we want to show works in a very interesting way that, you know, everybody gets to enjoy yeah. at, uh, you know, in a very reasonable cost and things like that. But oh, how do we go beyond that? Like, how do we... Uh, democratize it in such a way that you know all eight artists participating in one of those galleries get equal representation they're all part of one ecosystem one exhibition but at the same time uh, the design is done in such a way that we've opened up three sites for one artist so when you walk in you see the photograph and you're immersed in their work it's not it's not a parallel relationship where you have the wall and you are as an observer outside it but rather, like you're inside when you go into the into the works, you're inside their world.
3: Yeah. At the
0: same time, you're not uh, disconnected from the rest of the artworks. So yeah. you kind of like walk out, and you're always those arches uh, are strategically located at the intersection, So it kind of like it's like working with the uh, with the, the perception where you know the. Consciously you know that the space kind of flows and continues and continues, but you don't get the anxiety that oh is this it? I'm a, a, should I have to go out of the door to see the next one or rather, like you keep the the flow between one two three four. So that's one example of like trying to understand what is the higher goal that we want to achieve together? Yeah rather than the primary given goal, yes, it it has to be addressed. It has to be given, uh, but at the same time, how can we go beyond that and uh, you know bring something more to the table?
1: So when you said that it was the philosophical approach was not very abstract, based, <laughs> quite abstract in a lot no, of ways. I'm not
0: gonna uh, what I meant was like yeah. I'm gonna quote like. Kant or uh, Descartes, Descartes uh, <laughs> or uh, You employment. can quote yourself. <laughs> um,
1: so this is a very different approach. Um, I am wary of using the word different too much today. So I won't do, do that. But where did this kind of thinking come from? Was it something that came in later on? Was it at an early age? Did someone set you along a certain path? And this is to both of you. We'll start with you Deepak and then... Uh,
0: uh, there's no marked time like s- they put an electrode in my head and suddenly <laughs> everything changed. Yeah. But rather like I think it's a constant process and uh, during my education in uh, Stadel where I uh, was mentored by uh, Johan, Johan Betten who's my, uh, who was my professor. Right. Uh but we had a very different relationship like he's not would come in at like 10:30 in the night and we would have a chat for like three hours yeah uh, because he just lived next door so he would just go there yeah uh, so it kind of like uh, gave me the time or he gave him he gave me the time but also it gave myself the time to look beyond the givens you know to like understand little bit more of uh, the aspect of something called referencing Uh, no matter what we all try to be unique and individual there's always this thing called referencing Mm. so instead of um, using referencing as a very direct one-to-one but use that as a method itself like where you take something and you understand it and instead of uh, understanding the extrinsic properties of like A, B, uh, you understand the intrinsic properties of like how does it work, like yeah. what does it do, uh, and take that and you know interpret that into the works. Yeah. And this kind of like playing with perception basically started there. Okay. So my thesis was on a perspectival space where I did a lot of like study and research on like uh, how do you move, like I was always obsessed with movement Uh, in architecture Um, Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a big uh, there's a long history of that like movement in architecture like uh, promenades and this and that so I was always interested in that but also like what would be um, you know at the intersection of biology to some sense because both my parents are uh, Doctors and um, my dad's no more. Um, um, what else? Both parents. That's about
1: them. <laughs> but uh, being doctors, um, how did they? How did they take um, your? As essentially a shift in career from what they do. Oh, what what about before your parents? What did? What did your grandparents? Do?
0: Uh, my grandparents were. Uh, into farming, and they're basically uh, my grandfather. Grandfather from my dad's side used to work in the police. Okay. And then my uh, grandfather from my mom's side were um, they're into farming.
1: So no one related to art, architecture, but were in, uh, did any of them display creative, artistic tendencies?
0: Display, um, yeah, that's uh, uh, <laughs> that's subjective, I would say. Yeah, uh, no, they're mostly like more into, I don't know, like more, yeah, most of the family, uncle, and all of these people are like into business and
1: commerce and right. things like that. <laughs> yeah. And what about you, Yasin?
2: Um I have. Family background of intellectual property law mm. for the last five generations.
1: Five generations. Yeah. Okay. So. So it's like the
0: combination, like doctors, lawyers. Uh,
2: yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what they do. Although my my dad, I think, I mean, I know, definitely always is probably in the back of his mind wanted to be an architect to the point that
3: mm.
2: uh, when my parents built their house like I don't know 20 years ago, my dad thought he was an architect and bought an architect architect's table and started A drafting, drafting the, the, what he envisioned his house to be. But it was wonderful because years later my mom actually gifted that table uh, to Deepak. She, she refurbished it and gave oh, it nice. to him. So.
1: There was so a, yes,
0: and you I, have that today in your studio? i at home, at okay. our home studio. Yes.
2: So yeah, I think there was something lurking in the jeans, but mm. in relation to, to design. But, and of course, uh, being a patent attorney, what, what you're doing when you're drafting patents is you're looking at ideas, right? Yeah. So there is a kind of element of engagement with design on, yeah. a, on a regular basis. It's a different perspective, but you're constantly looking at new ideas, and yes. yeah, you're drafting. It's just a different kind of
1: drafting. So, so far, um, I, I know your family has been in India for many generations, right? So, what was that? Um, how how well did they do? You feel like people over the generation has integrated because it's very clear to me that the way you engage with. The way things are done in India is exactly the same as anyone else here and that is not going to be apparent to somebody who meets you for the first time, right? So suppose you have, there are are probably three or four groups of people that you'd be dealing with with work on a daily basis, right? One would be your own team and then there would be uh, contractors or suppliers or collaborators and then there would be clients, right? Does their approach to the way they deal with you is it different than how they would deal with Deepak?
2: I guess it depends on which group of people you're talking about. Yeah. Um, as far as like contractors and uh, you know people that we work with regularly, they mm. all know me by now. Yeah. <laughs> and they know my it's version of Tamil. People, right? They understand my my Tamil. Yeah. Uh, and.
3: Your the Tamil sounds it's pretty <laughs> solid. Yeah, it solid.
2: sounds solid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, there was a period, maybe about ten years ago, where I, I felt the need to sort of justify and you know position myself constantly and and sort of prove my Indianness.
3: Right. But
2: I've come to terms with and you know having been brought up in a cross-cultural environment.
3: Yeah.
2: I think. Actually it's a privilege in a way, it's something to, um, you know, something to celebrate mm. because there aren't, yeah, there are many people that have, have had a similar inside-outside experience of life.
1: Yeah.
2: Obviously there are Because you spent a lot of
1: time growing up in the, in England, right?
2: Uh, no, I, don't, I went to boarding school there. Yeah. But I've always grown up here, I've always lived here,
1: yeah. my
2: family has always been here. And uh, as a child, my parents never sent me to an international school or anything like that. They sent me to a local English-speaking school here in Chennai. So I think those things really helped because I was integrated from a very young age with friends and community that I still hold dear to me.
1: Yeah, and um, because you said that your family has been here for generations, so the upbringing is as Indian as... Anyone else there's no difference. So I'll tell you why I'm asking you this question because the first time we spoke um, I didn't know you at all right, I had only met you Deepak and um, we spoke you put me on speaker and uh, on speakerphone and we and then we talk and I didn't know your background at all because I don't get out of the house so I don't uh, meet too many people and, um, well, now I seem to know a lot of people who know you. Um, it's a I, small
2: city with us.
1: Yeah, but in that small city, I didn't, I don't know too many people, right? So we hadn't met at all. And when I spoke to you on the phone, that uh, didn't come through. I, I didn't know that there were... First of all, I, I didn't know your background in theatre or in performance until much later on. I didn't know... Uh, your family's background as well and it's very interesting for me to hear it because there are influences from everywhere that, that come in, right? So everyone is influenced by their past. So that was, it wasn't apparent to me until we met and then I realized that okay, so there is a lot of background that has made this, made this work. Did that ever become apparent to you? Not really. It's never been an we issue. We are a
2: product of our yeah of our journey, right? So, how did
1: you guys actually meet? Where did you meet? We
0: met in Chennai, and uh, the uh, yeah we it was two thousand seventeen. So we met in Chennai, and mm. uh, we started working together in two thousand eighteen. Right. Early two thousand eighteen.
2: Actually, no, even end
0: of 2017 when we did. That no, was 2018. Okay. Early 2008, January, yeah. February 2018. Right. And then uh, we got married in 2020.
1: Okay. So you say you met in Chennai. Yes, we met in Chennai. But that sounds like an oversimplification. Because I know from speaking with you earlier that I'm going to read this list out because I will never remember it off. The top of my head so you so you you grew up here right
0: i grew up here
1: you grew up here and then to to make it just one sentence you went from germany to the netherlands to qatar to shanghai and then i
0: came back, back yeah. here
1: so you've had like crazy amount of experience all over the world and diff and you were working in all these places or were you studying
0: yeah, where i was working you studied in Germany I studied and worked in Germany right and then I was invited to work for a UN studio in Amsterdam right and then I used to work for the same office in Shanghai and then I also worked for another office in Qatar so yeah
1: so and that's when you you came back here and then you guys met
0: yeah I was and did you
1: start working together straight away or or no
0: I was on my way to uh, somewhere else okay so uh, Chennai was a pit stop on my way right uh, because uh, my dad's no more my mom lives here okay and my sister lives outside so uh, so I had to like put the house in order right so I was here for a short period and then um, that's when we met and then um, I stayed back and then Justine went to do her uh, spatial performance design
3: yeah.
0: at the AA and then um, then we started working together 2018-2019.
1: So how did you decide to work together?
0: Yeah, the first one we did was like a fun project. Yeah. So We, we
2: came d- across a really like interesting competition and
0: yeah, it was a fun project, so we kind of like, uh, it was called a public bed project, so we did like a, um, and yeah, somewhere in the middle, it's not purely like design architecture project, it's not purely theater performance project, it was something in between. So that was the first one that we worked and, um, you know, we had a fantastic collaboration and uh, we thought, okay, why not? We do this uh, more, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. Since then, we've been like, uh, from that on, we've been working together.
1: Uh, right from the beginning, you guys have entered festivals and competitions and biennales. I think you were at the Venice Biennale long ago, right? We no, had no, we
0: lecture. no, we we, uh, submitted. we we submitted. No, we didn't.
1: Right, but that collaboration started, yeah. uh, were, as you said, three, four years ago, um, so you have a lot of the things that you have, that you are known for publicly um, are at these festivals and Biennales. Was that a conscious effort for you to, to enter these or were you invited? How does that work? Yeah,
2: I think it's both, uh, there's mm. examples of both. But why what attracts us to these kind of events is the temporality aspect, mm. again. And the and the public, you know, the, you know, how one can engage sort of with these unique microcosms of different kinds of communities. Like, obviously, with the Biennale, it's a much wider audience. But with the festival, it's it, it, it's it's quite specific, or it can be quite specific, right? Like, with something like Magnetic Fields, yeah, um, it has its own... Know, microcosm of a creative community you could say across, yeah. from across india and abroad but i think yeah i think it's the the two things that i would say is like the the temporality and the, the public aspect is what draws us to
0: yeah in some ways events. like both of our um backgrounds the former works that we've done are also in that zone like uh, majority of my career i've done Cultural projects. I've worked on public cultural projects, like
3: like Like theater.
0: The in Shanghai, I was working for a a theater project in Hong Kong for three years, and also in Amsterdam, worked on like mostly uh, public cultural projects. So that's the the aspect of thinking in that way has always been there, and also Justina's work with Susan Lacey and things like that. So the. The idea of like thinking about the public—it could be the city, it could be uh, you know a small microcosm—but in general, it's always about the publicness is always there, okay. And that kind of—I uh, wouldn't say translate. It's a very natural way to think for us. Mm. Um, but that
2: can also translate. It doesn't—it doesn't have to be about a public. It can also translate into um, designing a house as well. Like we are now, um, because but. I think what, what our approach, which might be a little different, um, is that we think of it like a design script. So we use elements mm. of theatre to uh, come up with it, how we respond to a given grief. even if it's an intimate, personal, private space like a house. Yeah, um, so
0: yeah it's like uh, you know the character art, So kind of like build that into yeah. the design and mm. how you. The design kind of like brings all the aspects on the table yeah. as we go along.
1: So, along the way, for everybody, there's almost always someone who has helped push them along, right? Especially when um, that creative professional doesn't have a, a family background or like friends or something like that in that particular field. So, and you've both mentioned one of your professors each, right? But how important do you feel it is for um, for for someone to have a mentor? Is that, uh, that mentor-mentee uh, relationship, how important do you feel it is to maintain your own creative process as it grows?
0: Yeah, especially in the the design world mm. to have a mentor is super important because we don't get taught aspects of business. Mm. How do you do certain things? How do you wrap up a contract? How do you, you know, do trademarks? How do you, these things are not taught in, uh, taught in design schools. Like yeah. how do you run a practice? It's not taught in design schools where you are fair to everybody. You're not only fair to your clients but you're also fair to your own team and you have the ability to tell your clients that this is a certain way because you know we are do it ethically so that's uh, that's very crucial because uh, sometimes when we are really involved in your creative process and uh, in some way even though it's a Discomfort in terms of the the zone of creative creativity, yeah. it is a comfort zone in terms of like you know not going to your accounts and things like that. So that's where uh, at least for us to have a mentor is like you know uh, uh, it's super essential to like you know somebody and some of our friends. Uh, I don't mean mentor not only as like a strictly hierarchical way. Yeah, we have some friends, um, who's uh, you know, who kind of like tell us like, hey, you guys have to do this. You guys have to put yourself into this or that. Yeah, you know, these kind of conversations, like semi-work conversation. It's not like work work, but it's also about like you know, how do you how do you further your agenda? Yeah. quite simply, how do you how can you make things better for everybody? Um, so that kind of conversations is essential. Uh, it doesn't have to be, yeah, like I said, it doesn't have to be strictly like one-way road where you know somebody tells you what to do and you kind of like say yes sir, yes ma'am and execute it. But rather like it puts a question on our on our head. Yeah. Like oh, like I haven't looked into that aspect of it. Like what can we do to fix it? Mm. So, in that way, I think uh, more than having a design mentor, yeah.
1: um,
0: which… Uh, Someone
1: basically to guide you through the entire overall process.
0: Entire process of like, um, how do you sustain a business?
1: Mm.
0: How do you sustain a practice? You know, right. like, yes, you can have this big hit one, two projects and things like that. But if we don't do certain things a certain way… If we don't, uh, you know, account for certain things, yeah, you can't sustain a practice. Like you can't sustain yeah. your team and you know be fair yeah. to them and you know compensate them and all of those. And things And this reminds of.
1: me of uh, so uh, one of the couple of episodes before you, I had spoken with um, Neil Schonfelder, uh, and I was asking him about big breaks that Mancini had and um, said it wasn't there was no such thing as a big break and it was just slow steady growth and uh, when i when i shared that um, episode someone um, a friend of mine left a comment saying that it's good that he is saying that there weren't any big breaks because people should not expect that a break a one big break is going to transform their business. They, it's about that sustained effort to... Um,
0: Find joy in your process that every single day yeah. you kind of like...
2: Well, that's what makes it a practice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right? Makes it a practice, yeah. So, yeah. so, in that way, I think uh, more than like a design mentor, I think this is very essential. Uh, in terms of design, we do, uh, we do have a lot of friends who live... In different parts of the world, we have uh, we share our works constantly. Um, there's a friend of ours who now lives in Netherlands. Like, you know, we collaborate once in a while, and that kind of uh, it's kind of a shock in the system to like you know because he can offer only a certain amount of time, yeah, and uh, we also have certain amount of time only to to participate in certain things. So we kind of like you know push for like
2: it's a sprint
0: yeah Yeah, we call it a design sprint and you kind of like push 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 so that's like it's not direct mentoring, but it's kind of like sort of a peer learning way and uh, both of us I think personally are that character where Even with our team, it's always about like, what do you think? What do you, you know, how? What 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 is your, what is your opinion on this? Like, yeah, uh, what is? So, uh, I think that makes a healthy habit for long-term creative. um, You know, how do you sustain yourself? Like all the all the juice runs out very fast (laughs) so how do you sustain yourself you sustain yourself by you know constantly engaging with different people different professions different mediums of different thought processes and things like that and also
2: to have like a kind of duality between like the uh, commitment to it like kind of being an introvert and looking within in your practice but also keeping you know, one one leg out where you've got to tap on what's happening and and researching, not not sort of just like scrolling through, you know, endless yeah. like like we're inundated with today. Mm. But digging a little bit deeper and looking at like where's research going in terms of design and what what what, where, what are the you know what's happening with the art world globally? Like where where's what things going? Yeah. I mean, with regards to cultural production in general, I think, you know, like how is <laughs> That's the, the way point. we live and the way we work, changing post-pandemic, like these are all very overarching themes that have like many, many narratives and, you know, research points within them, I think. Right. And so we and, and try and to push our team also to to go out there and so, find.
1: So Deepak, you mentioned something that I think now both of you are speaking along similar lines, right? And you also said that both of you are in sync with each other when it comes to,
0: when it comes to certain (laughs) certain things,
1: exactly what I was getting at. When it comes to certain things, you're both in line, but do you, okay, so in the lead up to my next question, do you look at the architecture story as a business or is it um, a creative entity?
0: Uh, for a creative entity to live, you need to have the business.
3: Right. So I'm going to
0: give you this uh, Simon Sinek's example. Like, sorry, Simon Sinek is, uh, yeah, you'll you know for sure. Yeah. Somehow you would have <laughs> heard him talk. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So he uh, brought up this interesting thing, like where he says, like you know, um, the uh, money is the is the gas. Yeah. You need money, but Run that's not industry, your yeah. destination, right? Like, yeah. uh, you can't go to your destination without gas. Like, right. you need you need gas for sure. But uh, that's the that's the focus, like where it has to sustain as a business, right? For sure, uh, because no free labor. Uh, you know, it it has to sustain as a business.
1: So uh, I'll tell you why I asked you that question because if you're in line with each other for a lot of things, um, is there one of you who takes the lead when it comes to purely the business development side of it or are both of you in sync with each other for that as well?
2: I think we, we have different things,
0: yeah. With VD also, like, like um, I would say there are different tasks involved,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, mm-hmm. business development is not just one task there are different tasks involved so naturally i'm more on the introvert side and just seems more on the extrovert side (laughs) so uh, uh that kind of helps in different task distribution because it's natural yeah you know uh yeah i don't have to say like oh but i want to do that you do this like i'm happy to do this Please, you do that.
1: <laughs> so, you have complementary skill sets in some ways.
0: Uh, I would say it's more than skill set, it's basically personality types. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, I've come to terms with the fact that, you know, <laughs> <there are laughs> <Some things. laughs> the, the world is the way it is, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You have anything to add, Justine? I think
2: you've summed it up <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's always a give and take, right? Mm. It's not like oh, these are, this is your job description and nothing outside of that. Yeah, I think that's why that's a partnership. That's you know, it it's it's a constant like finding a balance. Like sometimes one person might do more, and another person might be busy with something else, and then it tips the other way. And so, you know, as long as there's a mutual respect Mm. um, for the other person and also for everyone in the team then you know you can successfully I think work well together
0: yeah Yeah. yes but it's uh, also challenges involved and instead of uh,
1: so for your unique practice sorry to interrupt you but for you for a unique practice like what you guys have um, what are the challenges because I suspect it won't be the same as uh, an architecture practice, purely only an architecture or an interior design practice, would have one set of challenges. But I suspect yours would have a different set, right? So, what are those day-to-day challenges that you guys face?
0: Um, it's it's not so. We kind of do. Um, we're not that far out from a regular architecture practice. Mm. Um, as much as everybody say, as much as I would like to claim that we are so unique, <laughs> uh, we are not. We are uh, part of the same breed yeah. and uh, maybe it comes across slightly different because our uh, interests and in the way we kind of put a lot of emphasis on process. And I think even, a lot of your output
1: even, looks very different than yeah. For instance, this installation would uh, not—you would not find too many architecture portfolios having something like this as a finished product. uh, A lot of concepts, maybe. Yeah. But that's why I feel uh, that um, because I think even the clients that you guys would be working with, the the general audience who may respond to the kind of work that you guys put out is different. No? I
2: don't know. I mean, I think our, definitely our, yeah. So there's... Uh,
1: or am there's, I the only one looking at you guys? I'm so glad you know, are you know,
0: there's, there's, the, there's the public side and there's the private side. <laughs> <laughs> we also, uh, I'm happy to admit, like we also do a lot of uh, chore jobs, sort of renovation works, sort of, you mm. know. Um, we, we go out of our way to do what the client feels comfortable and definitely bring a new dimension to what could be imagined or what could be, what was thought as a possibility, bring a new dimension for sure, right? but not completely override anybody's wishes to say like, uh, uh, you know, this is what we're going to put an installation in your like office renovation project, right. <laughs> no, we don't do that, but rather like if you uh, propose like. Uh, you know, there's a changing medium, like you don't need this many conference rooms. You could uh, work on uh, something, an acoustic part, or, you know, there's a, a, it could be something that's in between a furniture and a space, but it's meant for a specific, you know, purpose. And uh, that kind of translation work, Mm -hmm. um, or rather like, you know, spending the time to say like, how do I communicate this? Is something that we do, but also we do a lot of like, you know um, regular architectural work right and um,
1: so you're, uh, the good thing is you have answered my the next thing that I wanted to ask you about which was what kind of work what's the various kinds of work that you do so it's nice to
0: yeah so see that. the uh, right now we're working on like residential projects and uh, we also like we've done one installation like two three this year and um, we've we're working on a couple of restances we're working on an office project and
2: uh, uh, there's
0: a uh, restoration project that we're working on so there's kind of an interesting mix of Mm. like uh, bringing in the new and the old right and Even when we do completely new works, we try to bring in elements of the old and the other way around. But uh, in all honesty, we are barely three, four years old. And in the middle, there is the COVID situation. Right. Uh, So we have to, we were forced to think on our feet because we focused purely on, um, you know, installation art and public art and design festivals that that kind of work Mm. and then uh when the covid hit and you know things started to go in the other direction where uh the word social was uh, to be distanced (laughs) so we have to radically rethink how do we how do we go about our practice and we're in a way so happy that it came so early on to not take anything as a given Right. To be, to have the flexibility to readapt adapt to any given situation. It could be financial, a lot of big offices had problems with the 2008, like you were saying, yeah. you had issues and with 2008. Again,
1: uh, for me, the 2008 thing happened three years after I started my business. Yeah. And COVID also seems to have happened three years after you guys started yours as well.
0: Yeah, so it has to be, um, it kind of like taught us to like adapt you know, like we have to rethink things in a you have to do it on your feet, like you have to be fast enough to do the turnaround. And also finding methods and processes where we can work collaboratively. Uh because a big part of our work is to have a core team. Right. So um when we when all of this happened, we actually spent a lot of time on building the team rather than chasing projects. Right. Because projects will come and go team doesn't
1: so when you when you say chasing projects um, how do you guys get those the more eye catching projects let's just put it that way because not every house or office that you design is going to get that kind of attention that's to satisfy a client's requirements and and to satisfy your own requirement your own get your own satisfaction as well from that kind of a project but it's these festivals that really are so if someone was to google either of your names or was to google the architecture story those are the the projects that get the attention right mm. so how do you get them how do uh, uh, so how do you you, uh, you chase them yeah exactly so how, what's the process behind that because i'm sure most people won't know i don't know
0: you look up like what's the wha- like? Take
2: Burning Man for example. They have mm. something called a global arts grant. Right. And you know they people thousands of people from all over the world apply. If your design is something that they like, you yeah. know, then you'll you'll be able to get funding for it.
1: So almost all these festivals, there's a proper application process yeah. to get in. Proper application. Both ways. Yeah. Or if Both there's ways, not, yeah. then
2: you you find that you know how to sometimes we go to a festival for the first time and we think like wow it's a great uh you know community and then we try to figure out you can't just like show up and say I want to do something but you have to go a second year and then maybe the second or the third year you find out like who's who's working on it who's making making stuff happen yeah and then you know rather than going and say yeah I want my project here yeah. you say you, you want to Contributing, yeah. To first, you, the community because first you, first you go to participate do the and be like, for to be honest with you, doing festivals, you do it for the love of it. Yeah, and it's not like you get paid the big bucks to do, you know, um, an installation for Burning Man or any of any kind of arts festival, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, those are the passion projects, um,
3: I think.
0: Yeah, say. and also. Uh, even with regular architecture projects, uh, yes, there are the. In general, if you would have s- spoke, I mean, when you ask any established firm architect, they would say like, uh, you know, it's not like they wouldn't chase for the eye catchy projects. Yeah. It, you it just happens. do what you do, and sometimes it happens, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah and uh, you still have to have the energy to do the same the next day and over and over yeah. basically to have the discipline.
1: So, so um, I remember at a workshop, uh, someone was asking me and this workshop was after I had spent many years working, some, uh, one of the students asked me, how do you get these projects? And I was like, you, uh, how do you get these projects once I start working? were It was still a college student. So I, I said you won't get a lot of the really good projects when you just start working unless you're very lucky, right? So uh, the projects that I was shooting um, uh, when I started off, I was billing by the hour, not because I wanted to bill high rates per hour, it's just that clients were not willing to pay for more than two hours of work. So they, I'd get small projects and I'd get small budgets to go along with them. And it was only after that when once I built a portfolio, I could say things like, I'll do it, but I have a minimum charge. And I will not, I will not work for less than one day's charge. You know, and that all comes later. And then automatically as you do more work, as you said, the right projects happen to come your way and it's your job to catch them to to make that opportunity count, um, but also getting but these all,
0: also apart from that, like there's also something like figuring out your interests, right? Like right. just uh, when I said like you chase them, doesn't mean uh, chase them, you know, mindlessly, but rather mm-hmm. like really focus on like what's your interests, and so even when you do BD, it's a creative process. Like you kind of like try to bring the dots together I mean we're still in the learning process of all of this but I'm just sharing what I've experienced so far Mm -hmm. it's like uh, even that you kind of like when you join the dots it's kind of a a process that you go through so instead of uh, first thing is to figuring out what is what speaks to you what's your where's your heart Mm. and that makes the rest of the process very uh, bearable.
3: Yeah.
1: You asked me something at the start of the conversation which was about digital photography and things like that. And uh, that's... uh, It It did... um, So, when I started my business in 2005, I'd already been shooting on my own and learning from my... uh, Learning photography from my dad and my granddad for many years before that. So I learnt on film and in college there was the transition to digital, right? So I think um, for my, uh, the visual communication department at my college, it, mine was the first project that had digital photographs in it because I really had to push hard to make that change because I had just been given a 1.3 megapixel camera. So I, um, I had a fully manual uh, SLR, film SLR, and I had a 1.3 megapixel digital camera. So I wanted to do use that, right? So and that w- really was a big change because there's no expense of printing and processing. And also there's the immediacy of knowing whether your shot worked You or learned
0: not. completely in analog.
1: I learned completely on film. And I, I learned on fully manual cameras, so where there was no autofocus, no auto exposure of any kind. And there were times where I would forget to change the battery on the SLR and if you have if used a film SLR, you know if you don't change a battery, because it's mechanical you can still take pictures, but you don't get any exposure readings. So you, you need to know what you're doing with exposure. So I, in fact see this is one of those things that I forget about until now. Um, so when I did that, when I had that change from film to digital it was like a seismic shift and I remember in 2006-2007 there were a lot of um, the, uh, older photographers who didn't adapt to transitioning from film to digital very quickly. Um, And because I came in on that cusp, I knew how to edit a photo digitally at whatever rudimentary level back then. But I knew how to do it myself. So I knew how to shoot based on how I would edit. Um, Transitioning from uh, thinking of arts as a completely analog, tactile thing to being something technologically driven. Did you guys experience any sort of a shift?
0: Not that much of a violent shift, but mm. rather like using rudimentary digital tools mm. to uh, using more advanced digital tools. Um, also because of uh, the exposure of working with UN uh, uh, with Studio, which is, if not one of the top 10 in the world, but at least in Europe, it's one of the top 10 studios in the world which, you know, constantly evolving, adapting digital technologies and things like that. So having had that exposure, um, it's part of the process of Mm. what we do. So, But we don't really like focus on the technology uh, as the, uh, you know, we're not the... As the end game mm. uh, but rather like definitely using that for turnaround times uh, you know where you invest how do you invest your time like in a design process when you're working with a client as a set uh, you know start end point in terms of like you know, get the design discussions going and things like that yeah. so it really helps us to rebalance the time where there's a lot of um, Repetitive work could be automatized and so it gives you more time to focus on things that you love yeah. that you care about
2: Creativity essentially the,
0: yeah. yeah
2: Not that like, technology isn't creative or right.
1: you know
0: like you well, It say, you involves know. a different type of creativity to you know, automatize and you know
1: And when did you start experiencing more uh, using more technology for your work around when?
2: actually
0: right from the get-go or at least right from the, from the get-go yeah, yeah. When this, we started to build a team we
2: realized like okay now it's an opportunity to but this goes even really before your time outside. at
1: architecture story right um so from when did you guys start working professionally even if it was for someone else
0: uh like uh, 2018 you mean under the architecture story no or i mean, yes? uh,
1: Any Uh, sort of… 2007.
2: 2007. Both of you? No.
1: Me, 10. Okay. So around that time was still very much a transition period. Was there much pushback um, faced for adopting um, more tech? or was there still an insistence that you need to I, I'm all about?
0: for, uh, I'm extremely pro-tech, but mm. I'm also focused on uh, what is your intended goal? What's your agenda of, of using it? To use it just for the sake of using it is not what we stand for, mm. but if it enhances you to visualize your work, if it enhances you to, like, problem-solve better, if it enhances you to, like, you know, do other things, then it's a great tool. We still believe in like old school research and old school physical model. You've seen the studio, there's the old school physical model. Uh, We also experiment in like different materials and physical model. Different forms of illustration. Different different forms of illustration.
1: Because you can't replace a lot of them, right? You can't replace, uh, when you're talking about different kinds of material, most material, it's not purely visual, it's also tactile. Yeah. You need to be able to feel it and get the idea of the texture. So there
0: there used to be a time where I could, uh, um, you know, we could just look at an image and you can say in which software this project is conceived. So uh, when it comes to that, then you want to go... I think we consider ourselves a little bit lucky because we... Carped on it at the right time. Right, it wasn't yeah. like we weren't like too early adopters that, uh, that becomes you know the the driving factor. But it shouldn't be
2: a gimmick, right? Yeah, like that's that's the thing mm. that one needs to. I think navigate through. It's like you shouldn't like use the technology because you can learn it. Mm. You're yeah, so you're
0: asking like where we differ, right? So this is yeah. this <laughs> is a point where we differ. Uh, I don't think. Anyone uses it as a gimmick, because I think different people use it for different agenda. Yeah. you know the different thing that excites them, different thing. There are people who are very excited about codes and they want to do it, and fair enough, it's what they and the clients are okay with that, and they, they go for it. So uh, I think it's more like where the focus is. So for us, that's not the focus, but we do. Rely heavily on it in terms of production turnaround time. Yeah, how you can do something better, faster, easier. Making
1: your work more efficient.
0: Making our work efficient, and um, I'm yeah, we're like uh, loose and tight in the same uh, in the same in in one way. Yeah,
3: um,
0: loose in terms of like you know how can you bring different referencing into your work and how can you rethink these things Yeah. but also tight in terms of processes like uh, every single day constantly thinking about how could you make something better how could you make your own internal process better and yeah. that goes down to the level of like how do you save a file
1: right yeah I totally agree so that um, okay so I know I'm going to make this up uh, I'm going to shift away from you for a second, but so have you used Adobe Lightroom?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: So Lightroom has its own internal cataloging system, right? Somehow I've never been able to use it. I use Lightroom purely for editing, um, but because when you're talking about how you save a file is uh, when you, are you, I'm referring to the workflow. So, how do you make it efficient in a way that you know where every file is? Is that what you're referring to, or are you referring to something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because once you, you have ask your me own system,
0: in five years ago, three years ago, yeah, it won't take me more than sixty seconds to get you the information.
1: Right, because once you have a system uh, that works, it's important to maintain that system forever. Essentially.
0: Yeah. So this was a big lesson because when I was working on the project in Hong Kong so we had 12 consultants around the world
3: mm. and
0: we are listening with the Hong Kong office, we were in Shanghai and the Amsterdam office right. So, and different time zones, different servers, different, you know, uh, so you can't, uh, you're not in the same place. Yeah. So you have to find that language to communicate. and to have the templates in place to you know uh, uh, so that's where scalability comes so uh, the ease of doing something as simple as this to doing something where you can like really scale up is built into the system where you can you know you can operate in different ways because your base structure as the capacity to flex.
1: You know, Justine, when you said about using tech as a gimmick, I agree with you in one way, because um, you look at most um, students, right? You're experimenting a lot, right? When you're when you're just learning, when you're expanding your, broadening your knowledge base, when you're thinking how am I going to use all these tools that I have you use the tools in any way you can and the minute you find a really really cool function you'll use it even if you don't need it uh, which I think
2: is great in a learning environment which is
1: great when you you're when you learn kind of
2: have that judgment of like oh is this the gimmick or not so you yeah. need to like get your hands dirty I agree but I think uh, again, it comes from like different backgrounds. Maybe like if I see a theater performance where you know there's an excessive amount of projections and somehow the narrative isn't really, or even if it's not narrative, like it isn't kind of in relation. To one isn't kind of jiving with mm. it, and, you know. And it just feels like they're just props to yeah. detract from a lack of a story or you know. Uh, yeah, so a lack of something else, then I then I automatically go back into like, oh, but if that all wasn't here, will will I still feel that I want to watch this? But, but,
0: but I think have, that understanding also
1: comes later. They
0: have innovated in no, but I think way that of understanding doing projections.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, but then, that's
0: where their heart was.
2: Yeah, but I think that if the body, yeah.
1: No, but like you said, that that understanding and that self-awareness of. Am I doing something that actually needs to be done to tell that story or to send that message? That comes late. That comes a bit later, right? Once you have some experience, very few twenty-year-olds ha- would have that kind of.
0: But how? Right? How would? How would they? You know, they have to go through that. They have to. They be, have to go through that. They have yeah. to be excited about.
1: So that there was one software. thing that. Um, uh, I sort of picked up when, so if you, if you remember I was talking about my exhibition, right? Those photos no client would buy them, no architect would buy it and put it in their, in their offices. Now I was experimenting a, a lot and my work really, it, it did not, it was not polished, right? But I, uh, luckily the one thing that I knew when I was starting off is I experiment on my own time. I don't experiment on client work, so I I learn I experiment on my own, and um, whatever I gain from that those experiments, then I practice it and then put it out for the clients, because I don't uh, the client cannot be paying for me to learn um, and try something out crazy when it doesn't work for them. Is that does that ring true for your line of work as well or?
0: definitely uh for sure like yeah uh, you're paid for certain expertise
1: yeah
0: and that's your core and but (laughs) it doesn't hurt for you to you know push boundaries right you know like uh okay let's say you're using a certain type of camera so why it's 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 okay if you you know i mean you're constantly doing it now you've gone into 360 yeah um, uh, You know Motion capture And things like that No, What is that 360 video
3: Yeah
1: A lot of new things That Yeah I'm trying out Yeah But it's so, like You try stuff out uh, so, it's more like controlled experimentation when controlled it's with a client, right? So, you don't… Yes, it, that's the word, controlled experimentation. It's not complete, you're not completely unleashed. Yeah. So, you do all the kooky so stuff on your what, own.
0: what we, what uh, I mean by, you know, adapting to tech and things like that is not only your end product, but also your internal processes. How do you communicate with your team member? How do you organize your tasks for the day? How do you yeah. organize your tasks for the week? How do you, uh, you know, like, how do you uh, regulate the time that you spend on each project? And all of this, it, we are at a time that we can, you know, and these are like, you can do it in paper, you can do it on Excel, or you can do it on another platform. Mm. Yes, it does demand you to be a little bit more flexible and learn new things and you know be adaptable yeah. but uh, it does pay off Yeah. when you know when, when you have to deliver if you spend a lot of time on doing uh, what your clients truly pay you for which is design they're yeah. not paying you for Organizing your team or communicating or doing your task list or that you need to have that down Yeah, so if we if tech helps us to, you know, make that better faster easier Yeah, well on the other hand the clients are paying us for design. So uh, We spend more time on that. Yeah,
2: and also I think uh, To get to know technology uh, If you're going to use a certain technology especially with like, yeah, design tools, like, then you can actually play with it, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to figure it out or figure out some portion of it to a point where you can actually play with it. Like going back to projections, if it's projection mapping, you don't necessarily have to be an expert in projection mapping, but you need to know enough to play. Right. Because I think that's something that we always try to like uh, stay true to or to bring into our work as like, I guess you can see with this structure, yeah. an element of playfulness in, yeah. into design and, and that doesn't also necessarily transform always in such a, a clear way manifest like this. It could even be within an office space, right, like mm. how do you bring about certain social dynamics that uh, create a better working environment through, you know, elements of play.
1: I'm going to switch tracks completely now. Um, going away from your actual work or your approach to work, but um, how much of an importance does, has luck played in your, each of your journeys to where you are today?
0: Define luck, like what do you mean? Like something that you don't really do and something that comes and sits on your plate or?
1: Well, uh, okay, let me um, give you an example about where if from from my own um, past right I was extremely lucky to um, be born into a family of creative people so whether it was my granddad or my dad or my mom um, there was that there was one there was some gene running around there that Uh, and also an environment that allowed me to do what I wanted to do. I never had any pushback. I never had any doubt about what I wanted to do. Perhaps if I had wanted to be a a doctor or a lawyer, it would have been a a deviation, right? So um, that would have been a real deviation for me. So for me, that was very lucky. And the fact that I did not enjoy school at all, I was still not pushed to perform the way... um, Vidya Mandir has a reputation of having students perform. Yeah. So, um, so, so for me, that was definitely a piece of luck, and the fact that I had all these people who have run creative businesses, they could, you know, I I could see what that business was like from a very young age. So I knew what to expect. Yeah. I knew to expect um, it being a slow start. I yeah. knew to expect that, even though I. I expected to push past that faster, which of course didn't happen. Things take time I realized only later on. But it was still a fortunate circumstance that I'd also didn't need to I didn't need to worry about my basics, right? When it comes to financially I didn't need to worry about a lot. So I count myself very lucky on a lot of fronts and that allowed me like to have two steps up. And I could push off from there. Um, But for me, it was also a lot of circumstance and also the right environment. So would that be something... uh, So that's what I meant by asking you about how much did luck play a part for each of you? I'm not talking about as both of you together.
0: Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, sure.
2: Um, I think similar to what you say, I feel um, blessed to have had know a good education and always been able to study what I want to study. Mm. But uh, yeah I mean I think it's it's hard work no matter what right and yeah. and in a way I'm very happy about the way that um, the internet has democratized opportunities for people who might not have you know had the same education as you or I. Sure. And, and I think that although there is this like massive content and you know, it's kind of overwhelming a lot of the time. Yeah. What it's done is is, is give uh, opportunities, which in turn makes it harder for anyone
3: to mm-hmm. actually
2: gain momentum, you know, because there's just so much out there. Yeah. So you kind of have to carve your, rather than just going to the, it's not enough today to just go to the right school, go to the right college, and go to the, do the right internships. Like, yeah. That's just not enough. Whereas I think at some point, it was
1: it was about that right. it's not and no, I, it's also I, how I you differentiate yourself yeah, yeah. and yeah. constantly constantly yeah
0: so. uh, if you're talking about that kind of genetic luck <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on the other spectrum of that right but uh i think i was super lucky to meet the right people at the right uh through my journey like mm. uh one of the seniors that i worked with while i was in bangalore uh I was working in Bangalore, who is still a good friend of mine. I was very lucky to meet him, and uh, uh, with the professor that I've worked, and the people that I've, some of my friends, and uh, most of the learning has always been some kind of uh, peer learning system. And that's, you know, and also like yeah, it's it's more like luck in the sense of like meeting interesting people.
3: Yeah,
0: and uh, yeah, that's I find myself lucky in that way. <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, I guess I'm not waiting to like you know anymore to have that definitive point. Yeah. Where yeah, you know yeah. one day I met this mentor who changed everything. Like. I, I mean, they're, people, they're, I
0: mean. the the interesting part of the of Johan is like, he wouldn't speak to you, he doesn't shout and no no nonsense like that, but he just would ignore you, if <laughs> you don't do the yeah. right, to, if you don't put in the word, yeah. he just doesn't speak to you, as simple as that, Wow! he just acts as if like you don't exist in the space, <laughs> that's all. So, uh, you know, it's not like uh, you have to have the attitude and the aptitude to, you know, put yourself out there and say, like, okay, I don't know this, but, you know, I'm willing to move forward. Um, And that also instigates some sort of excitement on the other side. Yeah. To say, like, okay, cool. Let's see what this project of mine can do. (laughs) So, yeah
1: i think that is i think that's a good place to end this conversation because we all come from some form of bag uh, some background of, or the other and it's up to us we may have fortunate circumstances we may have unfortunate circumstances but um it's how you take those experiences and pull yourself out yeah so um after such a casual conversation it's it uh, I feel very awkward saying this because it breaks away but I am I'm very thankful you guys agreed to do this uh, podcast you. and came on it was I'd been looking forward to it for a long time so and the fact that you are so open and you put in this much of effort to make this happen was. I mean I'm very happy about that and I'm really glad and I, and I think people who watch this will get a totally different take on what they're doing because it doesn't matter if you're an architect, you're a photographer, you're a designer, you're an artist, you're any person this is going to be something useful for them to take away. Yeah.
2: yeah thank
1: you so much and uh, thanks
2: for, thank your, you for the opportunity
1: to yeah. go on this. Well that's our show for this week. You can watch other full episodes and curated playlists at www.everythingcomestogether.com Please subscribe to Srirang Pictures on YouTube and like or leave a comment for this video. You can listen to the audio podcast by subscribing to Everything Comes Together on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and leave a 5-star review. If you like this episode, please tell a friend about it and help get the word out about this show. The Everything Comes Together video and audio series is produced by Srinag Pictures, post-production by Tangaraj, production assistance by G.S. Mohan and the original music by Ashray Harishankar from Escapist Music. Until we meet again with another fascinating guest, you can reach me on Instagram at Srinag or at EverythingComesTogether.com. See you soon.